he, he's saying morning, guys. Now, this banter has to stop, Matthew. I hope you're, you turn up well prepared for tomorrow's call, Matthew. Who do you, Gus? I know. Who the fuck is Gus? Anyway, <laughs> who is Gus? Um, is Gus short for something else? Gustav. No, that was my that's a Swedish name. It no. is, obviously. Nah. Hang on. Are you going to ask Google? Siri, what is Gus short for? Yeah, I'm fucking clear. All right, let's move swiftly on. Swiftly on. Uh, question one. What would you offer local healthcare practitioners to work alongside you in a collaborative, in a collaboration to boost social media interaction and referrals? Right, do you want to answer that question? Because you answered it on the live this morning. I thought you answered it half decent. So, what? Remember? Not how this works, is it? No, no. But I just thought. Clock with the system, right? <laughs> You answered it this morning, so you might. Oh, well... I can't ask you a question, and you you tell me to then answer it. Essentially, what I'm saying is, you answered that question this morning, and I forgot what you answered it with, and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't remember what I answered it. Um, so I think, first of all, obviously, um, I think the things that to offer people, or to offer like, um, essentially people that can add something to your business and also you can add something to their business is put like examples of things um, like, I'm trying to think of the word now, clinics, private clinics, um, private practitioners as well. They will have the same challenges as you in regards to creating kind of resources and content for their customers and their clients. So very simple things like you offering them um, blog articles, you know, a, a subject expert to help help your clients and uh, members. Um, I think any type of collaboration where you can like go on podcasts together or do little mini clinics in each other's business, et cetera, whether that's online or face to face. I think are great options, but so I think first of all, kind of throw out a few collaborative options and then, you know, that leaves the door open to get a little bit more specific with their business needs and also your business needs as well. And then work together to come to a really good um, solution for you both essentially. So I think anything that can add value to their business and vice versa. Why are you, why are you smiling? Why are you smiling? Uh, I'm just, I was videoing you at the same time as you were saying that. It was just funny. You thinking me me talking is funny, do you? Is that what you're oh, saying? I just like you in that hoodie. I like Sean the sheep. <laughs> Swarmest hoodie in the world. I don't fucking care. <laughs> it's not that bad tonight, however, is it? Um, right, next question. Um, Feel so like, see, you fucked up now. Who's asking the question now? I haven't fucked up. You answered hey. my question because you answered it well this morning. So I thought we'll crack on. So I'm answering two questions at what? Listen, you what? should do the job. 
Okay. I feel like there is a need to track a lot of stuff these days in terms of time available. Would you say it's okay to be selective on what you track in the now? I'm guessing that's the here and now. And how would you make that choice? Cheers, you pair of Brad Pitts. Is he calling us Brad Pitts because we're good looking or because is does that like is that like a thing for someone else? Is that twits? Is that what it means? Twits. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't think it's a compliment, whatever way he's putting it. Um, So what metrics and and stuff to track? I think obviously go to what your immediate focus is in your business. Um, But look, make it easy for yourself as well in regards to how you're tracking things like if you've got a lot of automation going through your business and a lot of systems going through your business that it should be a simple thing where you're just looking at inquiries people joining mailing lists opening rates insights on your social so that the metrics should kind of be there a lot of the time um when it comes to like clients you know again that should be kind of scheduled in and planned in in regards to the results and keeping keeping a record of that um the obvious kind of manual things are probably going to be more around like conversations tracking the route of a lead from the initial conversation through to potentially inquiry inquiry point so um those are probably the more manual things but again you can set things up in regards to what we're using something called mondays Monday, Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which has like a CRM system in which um is supposed to be pretty good. Um, Trello is something you can do, but you probably have to spend a bit of time on it. So listen, I think when it comes to marketing, when it comes to clientele, um those are the two big pillars. Obviously, finance, that's all automated, etc. Or it should be. So I think comes down to like what your fo- what your initial focus is of your business and your current focus of your business is. And then if you're finding certain things are really manual, think of ways of how you can automate them or highlight things that are taking you a big amount of time um, and put a process in place and create that because at some point you're going to need the data or it's going to give you a massive advantage on having the data for your business. So maybe it's more time management. I don't know thoughts no i agree um i agree it's listen it's it's a pain in the ass and let's be honest it is a pain in the ass um but there is i would say the bare minimum if people listen to this and go right well what is the bare minimum i should track um for me it's the marketing metrics and the time that you spend that plus your average client life. Um, I think they're the bare minimum of what you should be tracking. So when I say marketing metrics, that'll be time invested, conversations created, leads, inquiries, consults, sales, um, people who have left the business. That's really important for you to make sure that you you do that. Um, And your average client life, I would say that they're obviously finance, but they're the bare minimum of what you should be tracking where there's zero non-negotiable. I'm unsure as to whether what 
more than that you think you should be tracking or are tracking at the minute. The other thing is obviously is the conversations are, you could split that up into like red, amber, green, i.e. red, they're cold, amber, we've warmed them up a bit and had a bit of a chat, green, do you know what? They're good to go and raise the hand for a lead. So there's an element of that traffic light system in there as well. But like Nick said before, there is some software out of there that can help with that. You've obviously got the dashboard that can help with that. Um, but what I've just stated there then, uh, for anyone listening who thinks what is the bare minimum I should track is that is in my opinion the bare minimum what do you think is there anything that you would add to that or have I just repeated what you've just said but in more detail um you just added more to the question I don't think I have like because what the person's saying is there is a lot to track so I just wanted to clarify the bare minimum of the things to track. Exactly. So I didn't say it was a bad thing, honestly. I'm so defensive, right? Looks like. I think we've answered that question. Let's move on. Jesus Christ. Um, I'm looking for ways to grow my group training sessions, adding more group sessions instead of having two groups of eight, maybe have smaller groups, but more of them. Um, I fed this back on the check-in actually because it was kind of intertwined with some of the stuff that they were struggling with um, in regards to time. So that's a really broad question because there's many different ways that you could do that. I've got a good understanding of your gym because this is a gym, isn't it? Um, I've got a good understanding of your gym and I know you do four. In the eight sessions, you kind of stand back and cue and there's four in one room and four in another, and you switch them. So my, my advice would be, first of all, my advice would be to confirm the concept is right for you and the service is right for them. I would do a, a really quick survey to the clients that you have in the business already. What's valuable? What's not valuable? What do they enjoy, not enjoy? If you had certain things, additions, changes, or tweaks that you're going to make to the service, which would they like? Get some feedback from them because I think it gives you reassurance on making a change if you're going to make a change. Um, but then off the back of that, in terms of growing it, uh, like really simple, and I hope I don't patronize people when I say this, like look at your schedule and go, right, where in the week do I want, selfishly want these sessions? Where do I think they're gonna, I can serve them up and people will, will come to them? But where do I want these sessions? Um, am I going to make them completely open and accessible. I think that's sometimes a bit of a barrier, isn't it, for people with group training? Because a lot of PTs make the transitions to group training and then go, right, I've got eight people and they're fixed to these X amount of sessions. I believe that if you're going to treat it, if you are a gym, treat it like a gym and have that open and accessible kind of way to deliver the, the, the group coaching where people can book on multiple sessions across the week. I think it's an advantage of doing it. Um, when you've got that feedback from your clients as well, you'll also get some confirmation on your price. So that might be something that you do something with as you move forward. But as in growing it now, you've really got a laser focus on the basics. The basics being like really hyper-focusing on your target market. Like who is it become an absolute, I hate this term, but an authority for that demographic who wants to come to a, a specific private gym to, um, to benefit from the group training. In and, in and around an environment that they're comfortable in and they get coached and they get all of the service that comes with it. Um, and then I would look at the mediums that they use. So in terms of where they go, spend most of their time, and I would have a strategy for each medium. So say, for example, I'm a private gym. I've got a social media strategy that is 
um, a combination of direct and uh, a combination of compound direct and paid marketing. In some cases, you might use paid marketing. Um, depending on the demographic, maybe an email strategy. And definitely, if I'm a, if I'm a private GM, I'm definitely capitalizing on the local area and also the clients that I've got already. So there'd be four streams to that marketing mm-hmm. and make sure I put a plan in place to really drive marketing through the business and then sell to the people that I'm marketing to. So for me, it's just very simply um, doubling down on what you've got now, the market, who you want to appeal to, and really just implementing in a really um, streamlined marketing plan against them three or four different areas that you want to go out to. Um, But being confident within your service and the concept of the business helps you feel confident with your marketing message. Hence why I said about the survey first and maybe just tweaking elements of the service to make it, you know, you've really got a concept then that you can run with and market with confidence with. Anything you'd add? Mm-mm. Um, one second. Uh, a long one, but the lady to missed one. Huh? Miss one. Okay. Okay. Fucking hell. You fucking get your knickers on, son. Best way to check back in and re-engage members that you have spoken to, got numbers for, and want to show value for again general checkup message versus lead magnet versus offering time for a health check up or for advice any suggestions um i think starting point is a general checkup um message depending on you know the conversations you've had in the past the types of things you've been talking about the things that you probably suggested or maybe helped them with to begin with i think a general checkup um, as a first point and then having all of those things from health checks to lead magnets offering time um, and advice I think they're all the things that you position based on the responses that you get um, if you have like the only other caveat to that is if you have like a lead magnet you've got at the moment that you think would help the majority of the people you've been speaking to whether that's a I don't know who this is I think I know who it is but um whether that's like, um, I don't know, a, a get started or a mini program or, a, you know, um, something of that, something like that, which is quite generic, but will really help them. The vast majority of people that is on that list, then maybe it's a, you know, a direct uh, message for them to sign up to it or to use it, or you think this will be really helpful for them. So I think, yeah, general checkup message always lead with that. And then, based on a response open question I think as well based on as I said the last conversation you've had and then um have those things in your back pocket to pull out based on their responses anything you'd add no no um the lady lady when my six weeks of coaching competition has said she wants to continue past that point but mentioned she was thinking about having a session every two weeks i know she needs more than that at least in stages as she wants to get confident in the free weights area i'm thinking about to book a call with her and talk her through the journey of two times per week start with and taper it to one then maybe once every two weeks and then online etc how would you recommend explaining that process without it being overwhelming as I feel people get, got, uh, get spooked looking that far ahead? Um, 
Yeah, I would agree to book the call, have a conversation with her, make sure it's face to face. Um, for me, it's a lot of like reflective questioning. So like creating self-awareness. Um, so it's a lot of questions in regards to um, her goals again. So going back through her goals, what she wants, what she really needs, um, how far she feels like she's from them right now, how long she feels it'll take to get her to that point. Um, what things she feels like she needs that will support her to get to that point. And I think with that level of reflective questioning, plus actually the point I missed out then, is the barriers and challenges and obstacles that she can see getting in the way. Um, a combination of all of that questioning will help her reflect on, actually, this is, if I'm not confident to come into the gym on my own, if I'm not confident to train weights on my own, for example, or go into the weights area, this is going to be a struggle if I just see this person, this personal trainer, this coach once or twice per, per month in like a hybrid style delivery. Um, so what you want to get her to a point and you'll have to plan your questions is turning around and sitting down and going, actually, to get to where I want to be confidence wise, I accept and it's behavior changes isn't it, at the end of the day. I accept that I need to come in on my own X amount of times per week. I need to move this amount. I need to do this with my nutrition. I need to get a grip of my, a grip of my sleep because it affects how I make decisions and then my motivation and consistency. As soon as you have this level of conversation, that reflective questioning, she'll start to be become self-aware that actually she needs more. So I would refrain from explaining the process of what you think she needs and get her to tell you. And then off the back of that, I would map out what you've both agreed on so she can see that process that you've kind of spelled out there. Clearly, as the expert, you've probably identified that that is potentially what you've just said um, is going to get her the results she wants of whether that's body composition, self-efficacy, of confidence in the gym, out of the gym and all of that. So you've kind of already mapped that out from what you know. What she needs to do is accept that that's the best route for her and that will only come in in the questions that that you create for her. And if you want help with that, obviously reach out. Um, anything you'd add to that? Um, no, not really. Not no, no. Nope. How to make a huge impact on your first week in a commercial gym, i.e., having conversations, generating leads, making sure people know who I am, etc. Um, all three of those. First of all, um. Practical stuff is planning your time. Um, practical stuff is making sure that you're creating habits when you first go into that gym, i.e. if you're going in that gym to, if you're going into the gym to do lead generation on the gym floor, like what are the pitfalls and the traps that a lot of commercial PTs fall into is getting stuck in the staff room, talking to other PTs. So uh, what I would first do is, you know, ban yourself from the staff room, have a locker outside of the staff room. You can put your stuff in and just directly onto the gym floor. Um, set yourself some non-negotiables and targets after the first few days of getting to grips with things. Um, look, having conversations, making people aware of who you are, introducing yourself to as many people that go, go past you, that you approach. 
making sure they there's no question around who you are and what you do and what your name is gather as many names as possible um same if you're doing classes in your first week literally spend time before after when you're doing the register um even have a bit of a qr code with your social media platform on that they can scan and follow you etc so i think in your first week it's all about make creating as much awareness and noise as possible and the one massive thing that you're going to do to disrupt completely the norm in that gym is approaching people flat out there's nothing there's nothing um special or magic about it it literally is that very simple thing done repetitively over and over and over and over again in your first week um and just make sure that any type of habits that you know pull people out of doing that and create distractions and create barriers to doing that I'm sure you know those so put things in place to make sure that you're not you're not just relying on winging it or willpower or anything like that like put things in place to make sure that those don't even become an option for you um that's what i would do anything to add no um uh, next question um i know the answer is basically going to be it depends it's up to you <laughs> can't give the answer but how do you figure out who your ideal client is i've been thinking about the clients i've had and still have that i enjoy training but i'm really struggling to find what links them yeah i i, I try and i try and forget what links them um yeah, I try and forget what links them because I think that completely overcomplicates the whole process. I think what's dead important with this is that, and it, it's really hard, I'm not going to say it's easy. Um, and the way we deliver it is there's two ways of looking at it, getting really super specific with the demographic, with the age range and all of that type of stuff, whether it's male, female and all of that. And clearly the more specific you can get, the less time that you will probably spend on your marketing because it's easier, it's more free flowing, you know where to go, how to do it, what to say, how to communicate, all of that. But then you've got that psychographic view, which is that um, it's very much more goal orientated, but for me, it still has to be a little bit more specific in, into who they are, what they do, why they wanna change, what bothers them, frustrates them, the obstacles, the pain points, what they hear, say, all of that type of stuff we need to really know. So long story short, what I would do is if you have a, a, a an, an immediate trend of who the type of person or the type of um, background they have, environment they have, the, I don't know, their, their, their problems that they have that you find really rewarding to help change, I would just laser focus in on that person. I would forget what links them. Um, and I would just go all in. Listen, the bigger picture is, bigger picture, should I say, is is once you find, if you've got someone there in mind or a group of people in mind, you go, that's the type of person that I really like to train, but I'm a bit conflicted because they're both male, they're both female and all of that. Don't worry about too much about that, but just go all in on that specific demographic and do as much research as you possibly can on them. 
that's then going to provide you with the confidence and clarity if it's the right type of demographic. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to find a way, in my opinion, to really enjoy driving your message to that demographic. Um, and I think trying to look for links and stuff like that, I think it kind of overcomplicates it a bit too much and you can hit a bit of a brick wall with it. Um, so I'll take the depends out of it and I'll take it up to you and can't give you the answer. I would say focus in on the highest trend of person that you really, really enjoy. Um, the thought of predominantly coaching, I say predominantly because what this does mainly is bring you a level of consistency and with consistency, it will bring you in different demographics anyway. Anything you'd add? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. No, no, I won't answer that. No. Okay. Next one is Do you have some tips on making how to make an engaging webinar? Uh, we should have, shouldn't we? <laughs> um, 50 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. So I think. First of all, um, I think first of all, start with start with like the the main things that you want them to go away with. I think that's the first thing. So start with like what do I want these people to go walk away with, finish the seminar with, is the first thing. I think then seminar webinar webinar. Then break that down into um, a couple of sections, depending on what it is. Um, I think a mixture of you talking and slides work. That blended approach works really well. But it doesn't. You don't have to have like copy on slides all the time. It could just be something visual that you're talking through. I think a variety of that works really, really well. I think limit the amount of um copy that's on slides one thing we did really horrendously when we started out is put tried to put a lot of written text on the slides um so that's another thing is limit the copy um and maybe have some follow-up as an example pdf to send them um i think asking if it's a live webinar, I definitely think asking questions and getting that interaction from people is a massive, massive plus. Um, otherwise, what you find is you're just it's a weird feeling just talking at a computer screen. Um, I and even if it's like pre-recorded, I also think that asking questions and getting to like critically think, write things down. Get them to do things while you're working through the session i think is a massive plus a huge plus um any type of live examples or case studies work really well depending on the subject you're going through i think again always always lands well um and then i think some action points and summaries whether that's depending on the length of it Somewhere at the end, if you're covering a couple of different things, again, summarizing it in a couple of different points, but all all leaning and driving down towards the main objectives of the session. What you want to walk on what you want people to walk away with. Um, 
and then just really good quality slides. Again, we were we we are still shit at doing slides, so that's why we get someone else to do it, who's really good. Um, so yeah, they're my things really. Anything you'd add? No, this is something I'm still quite conflicted with, right? Because obviously within a fast-paced society that's got an attention span that's getting shorter and shorter because of social media and stuff like that, you could sit here and argue that it, they need to be short and sweet. And I would I probably lean towards that that side of things. So it needs to be short, impactful, and in a lot of ways, probably split down into individual topics all along. Like whilst I was off last week, I sat and watched the webinar for an hour and 10 minutes and I was pretty engaged and took a lot of fucking notes. So I, I truly believe that, and this is going to sound like fucking standard advice, but if, if that person really, really wants to understand how this is going to help them and really wants to learn, they will engage in that fucking webinar as much as they possibly can. So at all of them tips that Nick's just said, but... I'm still conflicted on the some we've got webinars on our system that are 40 minutes long, 50 minutes long. And we we have a laugh about it sometimes and go, we really should be chopping some of this up. But I also think on the flip side of it, like some stuff you need to go into detail about. Yes, you can probably cut some of the shit and the tangents and the fucking me going off like I am now, which I regularly do in webinars. But like I also think that actually personality, if there's a point to get across and if there's detail to go into, fucking go into it. Like, go into it. Don't hold back from it just because, oh, it needs to be within 10 minutes just because of people's short attention span. I think if something needs to be delivered and delivered in detail um, to help people really understand and get value from it, don't obsess too much on the time. Um, yeah, so there's still an element of conflict for me with that because um, I think if if you want it enough, if you really, really want to understand what that content is, um, value it. You will sit through it like I did last week and I've got very short attention span like on stuff like that um so yeah I, I would say that I would but like to to kind of not go back on my point I would still make sure that it's still one topic one topic with a couple of action points and that might stretch to be long or short but yeah I, I, I would just add that that's it cool um two questions this week Going forward, I'm wanting to use a book a call, call to action on my social media and emails. I'm going to ask people to book a call. Should I send them straight to a Calendly link or should they first fill out a form? If they fill out the form, how in-depth should it be? Some of the people filling it in, filling it out might be ready to work with me, while others might just be looking for guidance. So I'm unsure how much information I'm guessing that says I, sh uh, I should put in. I can't see the end. Yeah. Um, sec. How much information should be looking to gather from them? Any advice? That's the question. Okay. Um, so it depends what service they're going to go into, I think, first and foremost, because if they're going to go into like a one-to-one -one or a small group coaching or an online coaching service where there's an element of we need to understand them on an individual level, that inquiry, like a book a call is, you could class it as an inquiry form where it could be name, contact details, like email address, and probably just a couple of brief questions. So if that was for, let's say, just to let me get to know you or get to know the problem, then I would say that that would be fine. 
if you're looking to offer some of them people, then convert them into the business off the back of that, and you don't really know them, and you're not taking any more information than name, contact details, email, and a little bit in and around of why they are wanting to book a call, um, you're going to struggle to get the right information to then be able to convert them into the business. Um, so to give you a direct answer, I would say for that, contact details and maybe just a couple of questions in and around why the book to call and maybe make it like multiple choice. Um, and maybe there's a little open box at the end as to uh, what their aims of what they want to get out of the call and so on. But then have an open mind that some people who may want to work with you, you're still going to need more information dependent on the service that they're going to go into. So keep an open mind to it. I think if you've got expectations on selling straight away, that's cool. But also accept that you might not have a broad enough understanding to make sure they go into the relevant service with a, um, with a service that meets their needs and goals and all of that. And I'm sure with the person who asked the question that you'll completely understand that. But obviously from your initial question, I'd lean towards more a brief inquiry form with a bit of why have you got in contact, what the brief goals are, and then let me find out more with no real expectations off the back of it than maybe to book another call to come to go through goal setting and all of that dependent on the service. Anything you'd add to that? Mm, only, only that I think just think of the really, like you said, they're really crucial questions of who they are, what they're currently doing, what their current challenges are, what their expectations are, and maybe a level of commitment to make changes to get them to where they want to be. I think, and a source report as well, maybe just where do you hear about us? That's, a that's quite a really, really quick form. That's like five or six questions that can be done really quickly. And that can actually set you up through a really good conversation. But apart from that, no. Um, um, question two, sorry, anything else on that? No, I was just going to say, do you want me to ask this next question? Um, yeah, you can do. Yeah, go ahead. Um, recently, I found myself getting distracted and struggling to focus while doing work at home. I have my own office space and don't have any excuse other than letting myself fall into bad habits. I'm going to get to some coffee shops next week for a change of scenery. But do you have any tips to be more productive at home? I don't want to spend the tenner on a coffee and a sandwich anytime. I have some admin to do. Uh, routine. First of all, routine, routine, routine. Um, you know, we've worked, how long have we worked from home now? Three years, three and a half years. Um, whatever it was, March 25th, 2020, so whatever that, whatever yeah, that was. three years. Um, root, like the biggest thing is is treating, definitely have your own workspace, which you have got, which is bang on. Um, treating your working day exactly the way you would be to go to the, to the office. I remember us doing for the first like two months, getting up and putting uniform on and uh, and the same kind of process, wouldn't we? Or same thing. So I think routine is really crucial. I think so more around your time management, more around keeping it really consistent at times you have that you're working. Um, you know, that is, that's the biggest thing, I think, to start with, you know, uh, absolutely. Um, to the point where if you're not doing that, if you're not sitting down to do that work at that point, you you do feel guilty. I think you do need to kind of get into that 
frame of mind. So routine, it's schedule, specifically what you're doing on the times that you're um, scheduling in. And that's only because you're going to be, you've got different location, you're going to be going to and from. Um, recognize the cues and the, and the habits that you're, that is distracting you. And put, like, you don't, you really don't need to sit here and tell you how to not look for your phone to put things in place on that. And whether if that's the case, as an example. So I think recognize the habits that are distracting you. Um, put simple things in place to, to limit those distractions. I mean, it, you know how to do that. Um, I think recognize the time of the day that you're setting yourself those work, work blocks to do. And also, I think the type of work blocks and where you position them in the week is going to be important. As an example, if you're like, if the harder work blocks you've got, you're putting off, putting off, putting off, putting off. And then all of a sudden something comes up where you've got where it takes that time away from you. And then that rolls on to the next week and the next week. And the week, that's just creating procrastination. So I think get the harder blocks done, maybe front end of the week. Um, and the easier blocks then maybe towards the end of the week where things might come up. So you, you're getting the important stuff done first. Um, I think that's I think that's all off the top of my head I can think of right now. Anything you'd add? You might need to take a time some time off um that might yeah. be a sign that might be a sign for you uh listen i can only give you an example and that's why you've asked the question of how we how we handle it but when i get to that point um it's a sign for me that probably um my attention span's getting shorter i probably need a little bit of time like today for example it's my first day after a week away i don't want to stop working <laughs> but a week a week ago before that i was fucking a bit like that I was going to the village hotel in the workspace to get away from the house to do what you're doing with the coffee shop because I was getting like that. So I, I suppose it's knowing when you need to take time away from the business as well. That might be a sign. might not be, you know what I mean? Mm. But it might be a sign that your attention's getting shorter or you're not seeing the meaning behind some of the work and stuff like that to get you to be accountable to do it. But other than that, I agree with Nick. Like I'm pretty clockwork with my routine. Um, we have a laugh about it sometimes like I'll have a set time where I'll block work in the morning and then go up for a bagel and a fucking drink and then I'll come down and do another work block lunch and then mid-afternoon I'll take another break and that's normally the mini roll break um, but that type of stuff has been in place that's worked really well to give me probably two hours max and I need to get away and probably get out and have a bit of a walk or um and it does feel a bit COVID-y at times, I'm not going to lie, but um, but with a set routine, it fucking really helps. And what you'll find is that you're only actually intensely kind of working for two hours max. And I think that's, if you were in an office environment, for example, or if you're in a workplace, you're probably going to do that alongside having banter with the people around there, taking breaks from work, talking and all of that. So that's still a really productive day of probably six hours really intense work. So mm. yeah, that's what I would say. Mm. Some tough uh, questions. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. Mm. Um, oh, there is another question. 
Yeah, I feel like I mainly live on Instagram at times more than actual coaching of online clients. Would you say that's that that's fine? Um, should thinking like social media sales, lead generation, marketing, and creating posts dominate when running a solo online coaching business? It's always going to play a massive role. Like it's as simple as that. Um, it is always going to play a massive role. I think what's important is is if you find that difficult, put some boundaries on it. Like anything. Like I've said this a lot in the check-in feedback today. By the way, like don't know if you've said it, but like we have. We know what to do for marketing. Putting set ways of working in place is really important, right? So what we should have in place for social media is in our social media plan, it gives us some non-negotiables, some tasks that we need to do that we spread across the week. Now, what's important is that they, in a lot of ways, unless you're doing a launch or something like that, they, they should be fairly rigid. Like I'm going to do X amount of posts. I'm going to jump on stories a couple of times a day and do question boxes and polls. I'm going to have two windows of where I'm going to do messages and outreach. Apart from that, like, your time on Instagram or time on Facebook is then really just out of your own interests, probably like mm -hmm. you scrolling a hell of a lot. So is it that you need to limit that scrolling side of it, which is all different kettle of fish. Listen, we all struggle with that at times from time to time. Um, and if so, put some things in place to limit your own leisurely kind of scrolling through it. Um, but then you might just have to really identify what are them non-negotiables? What are them tasks that, um, you need to do to maintain the work that you need to do for sales and marketing on Instagram. And then you implement them in work blocks across your week. And then you try and stick boundaries in place and stick to them. Because like I say, like once you create the post, schedule the post, you jump on stories a couple of times a day, you do your outreach and stuff. If you're doing that type of stuff and messages, it's not much more time that you need to be on there, like yeah. in, in my opinion. So is it, there are supposed a couple of actions to unpack off the back of that. Um, but what I also said today is that what's important is if then you feel like you're neglecting the coaching element of the business because you're constantly feeling like you're marketing and selling and you're on Instagram a lot and that's outweighing the stuff that potentially you're doing in the service. Well, you should have service based non-negotiables that are the same, which is why we ask in the check in what you're doing for your sales and marketing, what you're doing for your service. And that should be kind of like mirrored in a way of like, right, I'm doing the, these are my list of things that I need to do weekly for my sales and marketing. These are my list of things that I need to do for my for my service. And they spread across the week. Because if you were to go into any like operations style business, like a gym, uh, as a gym manager or running a gym, you would need to have these ways of working in your week that cross over different departments of your business. And it's trying to create that solo is difficult, but you have to, you have to, like, for me, it's a, it's an absolute must. It's difficult at first, but once you put it in place, you can then go, right, that's reduced my time on social media. I know what I'm doing there. This is what I'm doing. It's going to give you clarity and focus within your work and you'll find you more productive off the back of it. So yeah, I know I went off on a tangent, but there's lots of things to unpack from that. And um, to just kind of check yourself on, I suppose. Anything you'd add to that? Um, the one thing I'd add is there sometimes has to be a level of acceptance when you're really dialing up a hell of a lot of activity on yeah. social media that it may not last forever and it probably won't, but like building that momentum and just grafting a bit, um, 
bit more than kind of the norm. Again, it's okay sometimes to have those peak times in your in the year where you just put a lot of stuff in to generate a lot of leads, generate a lot of momentum. Um, so that's okay. Um, I agree with everything you said there. And also, I think we spoke a lot about this on Sunday night's call is that recognize what's actually taking, what activity, what part of the process is taking you a hell of a lot of time. And if it is you're spending a ridiculous amount of time on content creation or design or whatever, then first of all, as I said to everyone on Sunday, literally go for the last three, four months of your content, pick out what you can repurpose. And if you're finding that it's taken away from your clients or coaching, then redo, like rebalance that content of new versus repurposed a little bit for a short period of time. So there's a, maybe a little bit more high percentage of repurposed stuff that you do and you just set it up really well through the stories, for example, which is limit, limits your time. So I think just recognize like what, what area of that task is actually taking the time. And again, like anything, recognize it, either outsource it, either come up with a solution to reduce it, systemize it. Um, or it might just be as Ant said, like you're actually doing a bit of content scrolling for a little bit back and forth like that so recognize it i think it's a bit of self-awareness over the next week might help that bosh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i've just lost the last question uh oh there it is how do you get past someone turning down your business when they reached out for your help how do you get past it um oh it's a difficult one that actually I think recognition that some people are impulse buyers uh, and some people will do things impulsively. Um, how do you get past it? I think it's a level of acceptance that people can dip their toe in a little bit and find out and test the waters sometimes, like anything. Um, I think an understanding of recognising where those people are coming from is going to be an important part of the puzzle. Um, for you to understand like right are these people who have just literally joined or started following me and then put an inquiry form in or booked a call so maybe look at your onboarding um, side of things a little bit like we mentioned earlier in the earlier question um, and I think also a level of acceptance sometimes that we always say this life happens a lot of the time like think about what's happened what happens to you on a week-to-week -week basis that you didn't plan for or you didn't expect to happen shit happens so when someone might be really really up for it um and then shit happens sometimes and again what i would also put a question mark over is on the route into the business well let's be honest probably social media or gym floor if you land on your social media, is it absolutely crystal clear about what you do, how you do it? Um, is that screaming and shouting through your content or through the conversations you have on the gym floor as an example? So not really how do you get past it? How do you kind of frame it so there's a level of acceptance it's going to happen? And also maybe some things to look at how you can prevent it or understand it a bit better. Anything to add? No, 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 no. 
anything it add actually as well. When we don't have consistent leads coming in, we hyper-focus on those people and it grinds us down. So if that's the case, I think um, look at your marketing process, look at your marketing plan um, and generate more leads, essentially. Yep. Bosh. Good one. Long one tonight, that one, it? It was. It was, Anthony. Yes, it was. It was. Um, right then, is that was done then? That's that's done. That's you may you you may you may finish work now. Right. Thank you. Right. See you in a bit, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye.